This is episode three of season five of the Secret Library Podcast. Today we're talking about the third obstacle that I faced when I was constructing a writing life over the past number of years. And this one is a little bit less concrete than the ones we've looked at before. What it is, is mindset. I have a little bit of an issue with the word mindset because I think it's become one of these jargony words that people throw around a lot and we don't have a clear sense of what it actually means, but it's still useful. So I'm going to, I'm going to clarify what I mean by mindset in this setting, which is basically just the way that you think about yourself as a writer and the way that you think about your writing. And this one is difficult to nail down. It's difficult to get your hands around and to feel it concretely. But the way that you think about your writing, the way you talk to yourself about your writing and the understanding you have about how your writing is going can be your best friend or your worst enemy. And what I have found is that adopting what I'll a forward-facing mindset rather than a proof-based mindset has made all the difference in terms of my being able to move forward in projects, complete them, and get them where I want them to go. So most of us have what I'm calling a proof-based mindset with regard to calling ourselves writers. And what that looks like is we say things to ourselves like, once I have a book out, I can call myself a writer. Or once I finish this project, or once I am traditionally published, once I am a best-selling traditionally published author, and my personal favorite in the moving bar of being allowed to feel like a successful writer or even a writer at all is from an early guest who I loved having on, the award-winning writer, Natasha Dion. And she said that despite having a finished book, a published book, an award-winning published book, that when she was on a trip and saw that her book wasn't in the airport bookstore, her internal critic said, well... You're not really a writer if your book isn't in the airport bookstore. So (laughs) this is evidence that looking for proof to prove that you're allowed to call yourself a writer is never going to satisfy the part of you that needs that proof. So these are all proof-based mindsets. You know, when I have reached point X, then I'm allowed to claim Y. And so guess what? we have done in life so far that doesn't work with a proof-based mindset. Learning to talk, learning to walk, learning to run. So I have a number of nieces and nephews who are little enough that I've watched them learn how to walk, talk, and run recently. And it does not work that they say, once I, once I experience myself walking, I will believe I can walk. That is not how it works. And this is the, one of the earliest stages of learning that we see is children fall down all the time. 
they make mistakes all the time. This isn't a new metaphor, and you've heard this before, but it bears repeating that children don't ask for proof to proceed and to believe that they can do something more than they've been able to do before. They simply want to do more, and so they push towards it, and they're not that bothered about the bumps along the way. At a certain point, we are trained to look for proof. We don't need it from the beginning. Other things that don't work with this mindset are taking a job we haven't done exactly already. This is a great frustration when um, in the day job hunting days of seeing descriptions and interviewing for jobs, but basically being told we want someone who's done this exact job before. And I couldn't do that exact job until I'd been hired to do that job. And so it was this crazy catch 22. And so eventually you do have to take a job, given that none of us starts out having whatever ultimate position we want to have at the beginning, you have to take a job that has responsibilities you haven't held before. And you don't have proof that you've done them. You have maybe similar experiences, but you have to trust that you're going to be able to move forward. It's the same with physical abilities. You know, if you've ever trained to run a marathon, you don't start it saying, well, once I've run a marathon, I will have proof that it's worth me learning how to run a marathon. I never ran a full, but I did train to run a half. And let me tell you, as the least athletic person in my class at school, every single one of the people in my class would say, I am the least likely person to have done this. But part of the enjoyment was saying, okay, I'm just going to learn how to do this. And another thing that we, we don't get to choose, but just happens, is that we get older and we learn how to deal with being older than we were before. And things about our bodies, about the way we think, about our experience levels, all kinds of things, these change. And this one is kind of foisted on us, but we learn how to deal with this. We don't need proof that I know how to be a woman in her 40s. I just am one. And so the proof-based mindset is a problem because it keeps us very small and it keeps us unwilling to stretch or try anything that's unfamiliar. And this wasn't the way we were at the beginning, but we were trained to fear failure and that we had to get the answer right the first time or else maybe we didn't deserve to be in that class. Maybe we weren't supposed to be trying this skill. Maybe we should go do something else. So if this mindset of proof doesn't work, what works instead? What I have found works better is a forward-facing mindset. Carol Dweck has a wonderful book called Helpfully Mindset, and she talks about the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. And the fixed one is very much the proof one. I need, you know, I can only do something if I have proof immediately that I'm good at it. Versus the growth mindset, which I think of as more of a student mindset, is the thought, I might not know how to do this now, but if I want to, I can learn how to do this. And this is not the same thing as saying, you know, everybody who wants to is going to win the Booker Prize. I'm not talking about everybody is going to succeed in the exact same way with the exact same goal. Everybody's experience is going to be different. The type of things everyone wants to write are different. And there is an unbelievable metaphor 
which I'm going to botch. I thought about having in front of me as I was doing this episode, and I was like, no, I don't have to go into that. But of course, I have to go into it. George Saunders wrote a beautiful book on Russian short stories. And also in his commentary, he talks a lot about craft and writing. It's called A Swim in a Pond in the Rain, and it's brilliant, and I highly recommend it. I basically highlighted two-thirds of the book. One of which was a metaphor that made me feel far better about the weird metaphors I throw at my clients and students. And it was essentially that, what if there was a machine attached to you and you had to generate a a certain amount of energy output by dancing? And if you didn't get it up to a certain level, it would kill you. So you just had to have this intense output. And so maybe you start by dancing in a style that you think is really good and that you think is going to get you a lot of energy, but you look at your at your device and you're not even close. So you do whatever you can. You thrash around, you freak out in order to get that energy up to the certain level. And he said, maybe you look in the mirror, you catch yourself in the mirror and think, my God, is that dancing? Well, I don't care because I'm getting enough output and that's what matters. I'm still alive. And so what is this metaphor referring to? It's referring to the fact that, you know, the style that we write in is not always the style that we hope to write in at the beginning. We may have these ideas about what a real writer writes in quotes, but where we thrive and where our stories really come alive might be in an entirely different area. And the best way to determine which one is going to be the style of writing or dancing that's going to keep you from getting killed in George Saunders' metaphor is to think about what you genuinely enjoy reading. Not what you feel like you're supposed to read or you feel like is, you know, a respectable thing to read. But what do you love? You know, what what do you snatch up from the table in the bookstore whenever you see it? What can't you put down? And what do you constantly recommend or want to talk about with other people? If you are writing that kind of writing, then you're likely to generate something that's satisfying to you, that will be satisfying to a reader, and that you will be willing to invest the necessary energy and attention into in order to create something that will succeed, however you choose to share it. What if the amount of time you spent reading all these books that you love was giving you a compass and a really thorough way to navigate what succeeds in that writing? What if you had learned pacing and rhythm and all of the things that you need to know about what makes a book successful by already having consumed all of it for years? I know very few people, actually practically none I can think of, who really want to write books yet have no interest in reading them and don't read avidly themselves. I mean, you know it when you read it, right? And if you want to, if it matters to you, then you can dedicate yourself to doing that kind of writing extremely well. And along the way, you may change what type of writing that is. So this is another part of mindset is that, you know, what if I can write something that I'm satisfied with and it's different than what I thought good writing or successful writing or meaningful writing looked like? There's no proof you need to provide to take on writing that's exciting to you. 
And anyone who's seriously committed to writing a book and working on that book is a writer as far as I'm concerned. Anything you don't know yet about the process is just something new that you can learn. I think of these things um, when I encounter a point in the process that I haven't yet encountered and I don't know how to do yet as a class that I'm now signing up for. I love to think of things in life that I have not yet encountered as a class, which is ironic given that I talk about how, how school in many ways forces us to think we have to do everything perfectly at first. However, in my school, the one that I run for myself, it's all about effort and it's all about how much you enjoyed the process. It's not about getting a perfect grade. It's about showing up and about learning just for the sake of enjoying it. So when I got to the point that I finished my novel recently, I started a new class and I am currently in a find an agent class that I've created for myself. And I'm moving forward with that. I am using a student growth forward based mindset, thinking I am going to learn how to find an agent that I love and who's perfect for me and who I am perfect for by finding that agent. And I'm moving ahead with the process. Do I have an agent yet? No. And with proof-based logic, I should have one already. One should have showed up at my front door and said, I am supposed to be here for you. And I wasn't supposed to have to do anything because if I was meant to have an agent, they were supposed to be here already. But, but how is this actually possible? And I know no one, having talked to many, many authors about this at this point, for whom that was the case. I mean, yes, they reach out on social media. Yes, if you write articles and there's a connection, you may get someone reaching out. But for many people, you have to go and hunt. And this is a new thing. This is something I have not done before. Before this stage, the thing that tripped me up was revision for years. And I would turn back to the comfort of writing a new first draft rather than face the fact that I wasn't familiar with how revision worked. I hadn't done it before. I hadn't gotten to the end of it. It felt different. I didn't like it. I was uncertain. And I felt like this lack of confidence, this lack of clarity about how this was supposed to go, I took as proof that I didn't know what I was doing. And what needed to change was that I needed to face the unknown of revision and accept that just like writing a first draft, it was just the new unknown. There was a point when I had never written a first draft of a novel, and that was the terrifying part. But I got good at it by practicing and repeatedly writing first drafts instead of going forward and revising. So I now have virtually no fear about the first draft of a book. And guess how I got there? I did it a lot. I did it many, many, many times. And so how could I be expected to have the same degree of confidence about revision? And I say this for you as well, if you are revising a book, and I have a number of students with me right now working on revision, How can you be expected to be as confident in an area that is brand new to you as you would have been in an area that you've spent a ton of time in? 
It's like expecting yourself to know every detail about a brand new neighborhood you've never visited before and expecting yourself to be as comfortable there as the one you've lived in for 10 years. That's just unreasonable. And isn't it fun to find a new neighborhood that you've never discovered before and to figure out where all the coffee shops are and to try new restaurants and to see things that you've never seen and to figure out how you fit in that space? Because the thing about succeeding in creative endeavors and any endeavor really is that we don't succeed when there is no more unknown. There's never going to be any more unknown until we die, basically. And there may be even more after that because we don't know. The, the thing that changes ultimately is that the presence of the unknown doesn't give us the sense that it's evidence of failure. Just because there's something you don't know how to do doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. And I find that the huge mindset shift that had to happen for me was for me not to be bothered by the presence of the unknown or to feel that that was a threat. It was when I started to embrace it as an inevitable part of the process that it started to feel a lot less scary. You know, being confronted with something you don't know how to do has no bearing on whether or not you will get the result that you want. Just because you don't know how to do something doesn't mean you're going to fail at it. There's tons of stuff we don't know how to do, and we learn how to do it. I mean, wouldn't learning something new be more fun anyway than just repeating the same process over and over? That's what boredom is. And never going outside the realm where we're comfortable it destroys us eventually. We're not stimulated and it's, it's not fun. We're meant to experience novelty. And part of the reason that I love writing fiction is that every book has the chance to be completely different. I'm never going to be an expert in one topic because... Every novel opens up a whole new, I mean, reams of topics that I need to learn about in order to write it well. And I suppose I could write a similar sort of book over and over again. But even if I wrote a series and I've thought of doing that, those characters would grow and evolve and they would be faced with new challenges. They'd be faced with new things they needed to learn. And that would change. So there's no, there's no fixed point where you know everything with fiction. And even those who've written many novels talk about how each one is different. And each starting point feels like a whole new game, a whole new lesson. After, after spending five years on the novel that I'm, I'm querying now, I'm starting to develop a new book. And it's so delightful to be back in that process of not knowing this character, of not knowing everything about her, and just writing little snippets of scenes, writing new little images of moments as they come to me 
every morning. I'm just writing for like 10 or 15 minutes every morning with coffee. And I love this because I don't know her like I know my character I just finished. And with a proof-based mindset, I would think I need to know this character just as well as I knew my character in my last book, or else I shouldn't be writing this, or else this isn't a good idea, or, or else there's something wrong with this book. But for me, the whole point is to be presented with you know, topics, themes, subjects I know far less about than I need to to finish this book. It's the absence of expertise that excites me. And yes, I don't worry about finishing the book the same way I used to, but it isn't because I know how to do it in the sense of having a system that's going to work every single time. That, that just doesn't work. I know people say that it's out there, and I think it might work for nonfiction books. You can have a system for nonfiction books. But with fiction, there is no system that's going to work every time. The thing that makes the difference is believing that when you inevitably encounter the unknown while working on this book, you'll be able to handle it and you'll be able to find a way through. And that trust in myself and that trust in the process is what made the difference. That mindset shift was the biggest change I needed to make and not to take any lack of knowledge as evidence that I didn't know what I was doing. It's okay not to know what you're doing. In fact, it's, it's wonderful to not know what you were doing. Imagine if you knew exactly what you were going to do every minute of every day forever. Would you want to stay in that situation? I certainly wouldn't. But again, <laughs> I'm the kind of person who will move to another country that has a different first language than I do. And, you know, be a little freaked out by it, but ultimately feel like that was a valuable experience. So we all have different levels of unknown we're comfortable with. But the more we can take it not as evidence of our not knowing what we're doing, the more enjoyable this process will be and the more satisfying writing your book will become. I look forward to continuing the conversation with you next week on the show as we continue season five, Making a Writing Life on the Secret Library podcast. We've been having a lot of fun in addition keeping the conversation going about these episodes and other topics in the Secret Library Cafe. If you join Footnotes, my newsletter that gives you further weekly tips, resources, and insight into the writing life, which you can do via the show notes, you will get an invitation to join us over in the Secret Library Cafe. We would love to have you there. It's a beautiful, welcoming space full of wonderful writers, and I can't wait to have you. Until then, happy writing, and I'll see you back here next week. <laughs>